This episode is brought to you by America's Rehab Campus. Get on the road to recovery with the best rehab in beautiful Arizona. Dial 1-833-272-7342. That's 1-833-ARC-REHAB. Hey guys, Buddha here. Thank you so much for tuning in to part two of this episode. Without further ado, let's jump right back into it. So the whole times, like every single time that you had gone into a treatment center, when you had first said that you went to the IOP and stuff, you were using consent, like you weren't paying attention to anything. You were just like, get me the fuck out of here. Getting high the whole time. Wow. I mean, even when I went to CBI detox, I, I brought dope with me just in case. Man. And, <laughs> and I know I, I hear you case. saying a lot about your pops. What what was going on with the relationship with your mom like at this time? Were you guys kind of distant? Like I said, like I had, she was really angry at me when I when I robbed her neighbor. You know what I mean? So oh, okay. like she she they had that no trespass. So I wasn't allowed to go over there. I wasn't allowed to do nothing. They, uh, I my mom's was really mad at me. Okay. Like even when I called her the one time because I was sure I was going to prison when that last time when Pima County ended up charging me a probation. They weren't supposed to charge. They were supposed to extradite me, and so. I called my mom's and I was like, hey, I was like, then, you know, like probably going to prison. So I'm sorry. I love you. You know what I mean? She's like, well, this must be God wants for you. Mm. Oh, and I was like, damn, yeah. I, was like, I didn't know God wanted me to go to prison right. for 20 years, bro. <laughs> That's not a nice guy, you know? Like, yeah. And, uh, but no, like I got where she was coming from, but like, she wouldn't answer my calls. She wouldn't do a lot of those things. You know what I mean? Like she was really upset with me also because when we got locked up, me and the first baby mama, she we signed a paper over. They gave my dad temporary custody of the kids. Oh, okay. And she was really chapped, like, you picked him? Yeah, I could but, imagine. So it caused a lot of uh, stuff in the family there. But you know what I mean? Like, I knew they were better off over there. They wow. were more familiar. We lived up the street from my dad. Yeah. My dad would take them all the time, too. Like, you know, he was already had the relationship with them. Got to do what you got to do sometimes, man. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so when you went to the Salvation Army, that was the first time, like, you really started taking stuff seriously with having to go through that detox or no? No, nah, not at all. No, he's shaking his head. That's what I was going <laughs> about to ask you. Like, what happened? Because I remember when I met you at the Sally, you know, you, you still were a little bit kind of, you could tell you were just going through it, you know, a little bit. I could have said Red Bull or, but then <laughs> by the end, I noticed a shift. Like, what happened? What what happened at the Sally that kind of? So it was funny. The there was a lot of different interactions at the Sally. So like Troy, he was this dude at the Sally, and uh, he was funny because you know I showed up there and I was sitting in the little chairs. You know what I mean? He walks up and he's like, "Hey, what's up, bro?" And I was like, "Do I know you?" And he's like, "Nah." And I was like, "Then why the fuck are you talking to me?" <laughs> and he's like, oh, "Okay, you know what I mean." And he leaves. You know what I mean? Next day, he walks up to me before breakfast because I wouldn't even eat breakfast. I would just sit in the chair all yeah. pissed off. You know what I mean? Oh, that I'd yeah. be there. Walks up to me again. Hey, what's up, bro? <laughs> I was like, bro, I don't fucking know you. Like, why do you keep trying to talk to me? He did that for almost a week straight. And finally, one day he comes up and he's like, hey, what's going on, bro? And I was like, nothing, bro. I'm just chilling. Like, <laughs> you're not going to stop, are you? You know what I mean? That's funny. And so, like, he just laughed. You know what I mean? And, like, after that, I started talking to him. And then I went through the program. But I wasn't doing any of the program. Like, you weren't programming. Uh, like, I didn't oh. even know you had to have a sponsor or do steps. Uh-huh. Like, you're supposed to do all that before you're 45 days, right? And yeah. I think I was on, like, day 43 or something. You know what I mean? And somebody's <laughs> like, hey, you almost done with your shit. And I was like. I was supposed to be doing stuff. (laughs) And then that's when I found out. And I remember that, like, I was like, damn, I was like, how do I do all the way to step three in two days? And somebody tells me, oh, go to AA. Those ones are easy, bro. One, two, Uh and three, you'll get done like that. And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, AA, all right, now I got to find my target. You know what I mean? Because I'm still a manipulator. So I got to find my target. So I got to. Who's, I was like, who's that nerdy ass guy that comes in? Because he had like glasses that split in the middle. And so like, <laughs> like he, Morpheus and shit. <laughs> or no, who had the glasses like that? There's a nurse here who has glasses like that. Yeah, and cool. so like I was like, I got to get that old dude, that nerdy dude. Like, yeah. he he just seemed like one of those. He'd be talking to me like, like you know what I mean? And I was like, okay, okay, this guy, I got you. So like, I went and I told him, I was like, hey, I was like, you be my sponsor? And he's like, yeah. He's like, the alcohol problem in your life? And I was like. Shh everything's a problem in my life bro. <laughs> and he's like all right yeah and then he's like cool and i was like hey i was like but i got a problem i gotta be done by step three tomorrow and he's like well you got time right now and i was like yeah and he's like let's go we just went in there bro and he like cruised through these steps he was like showing me the big book talking to me about stuff because i didn't even pay attention really in meetings 
Wow. I didn't do nothing, bro. Like, I was chilling. Like, I would zone out, let my ADD yeah. run wild during Body the pressing, but mind was gone. Every time. Every time, you know? And so when I did those three steps with that dude, and then he tells me, all right, but you got to start working on four. And he's like, because if they call me and ask me if you're doing your steps and you're not working on four, I'm going to tell them no. And I was like, all right, cool. I can live with that. Yeah. And, you know, four and five, you know, it's talking about all these things you wronged people with, right? And this was my opportunity that 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 guy i was like i'm gonna get one on this dude you know what i mean i'm gonna tell him so many tough things he's just gonna be like yeah bro you need a drink you need to go get high like uh-huh. you're <laughs> hurt want, bro yeah. like you know what I mean? and so <laughs> you're like hurt. you're like you're a sick man you need to go you know so yeah. like, i did i wrote down all the worst of the worst and everything on that step i got i put in work on that step four you know what i mean because i was trying to scare off this this guy and uh, we go in there, and he's like, all right, so let's do your step five. You know, we start reading off these things and just do it however you want. So, like, I start, I started with the worst, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. I need to get him to scare off. He starts laughing at me, bro. Right. And I wanted, I never wanted to hit an old person so bad in my life, bro. <laughs> like, I wanted to punch this man in the face, you know. And I, he's laughing, and I looked at him, and I said, hey, bro, I said, you got a fucking problem? Why are you laughing at my shit? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, just put me on the bottom of your list, and we'll go over it later. And I was like, that's a motherfucker. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. all right. So, like, I just kept going, and then at the end, he's laughing. He's like, you know what? He's like, I did that same shit. He's like, yeah, it was in the 70s, but I did that same shit to my cousin. I was like, really? Huh. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, and so, like, I gained a lot of respect for that guy in that moment. You know what I mean? Because I realized that, that I wasn't alone. So, it's like, I wasn't ready to change yet. I just realized that this guy was cool. That's all I had for me. Yeah. Right? And it wasn't until the turning moment wasn't until we went to go get cigarettes. And so I went to go get cigarettes because you're allowed out over there. You know what I mean? Like after you're what, 60 days or 30 days or whatever. Yeah. Right. So we would leave to go get cigarettes and it was nice, bro. This is a God moment too. Right. Like, you know, how they say the clouds separating. Yeah. Hell no. The clouds came in for me. They, yeah. That showed me God. Cause I got, we went, walked to the circle. Okay clear day like it was just windy you know there was no like not bad we were just in circle k chilling you know smoking a cigarette and then all of a sudden these clouds start rolling in and i was like damn that looks cool you know what i mean like we we're just sitting there watching it and it just starts dumping really? like dumping rain so like we run back in circle k we're waiting we're like we have to be back at four o'clock because we were i was working on the the afternoon stuff so i had to be back at four for dinner otherwise you're kicked out yeah. can't get you can't get back in the door after that so you had to be four so he was just dumping and it was dumping and we're like damn it's not stopping we had like six minutes to get back from the circle k to the sally and i was like we have to run i was like we gotta run so we took off running in the rain and the cars were driving by and they were just like splashing that nasty dirty water oh, shit. but it was so funny bro because like like homie was falling in front of like he ate shit on the sidewalk i was like ah! you know I mean? like, the other one ran across the, like yeah. the street right there on the side and his shoe floated away and went down into the thing oh, that like, sucks. Yeah, i was just like cracking up you know what i mean like we it was just so funny and when we walked inside we were just drenched and like and it was one minute before and when we busted open the door like everybody was like right there eating and they could see us you know what i mean we we're just like dumping water on the mat you know what I mean? they're like what the hell happened to you, you know? and we we're just laughing it was like our own little world but it was like that laughing felt so good you know what i mean yeah. and i even told that that guy that was my sponsor old split glasses over there you know what i mean i told him hey i said i had some fun today i said it was funny i said i couldn't stop laughing and he says you know what that is right and he said that's the good dope bro He's like, that's the stuff you need in your life. And I was like, normal people feel good like this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I never had feel good moments. I was wow, always a very man. flat person because all the drugs. Yeah. And so that was like a moment that felt really good. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can do this. If that's what it feels like, like I might be able to do it. Wow. That was a, that was like a essential core memory for you. Something that just kind of changed. It is. Like, it was wild, and it was hilarious, and like, you know, just like you said, that nasty-ass water, but you know what? It was funny, bro. Like, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And so, like, it was chill, and, and I met a good good friends out of that, because it was uh, it was Andy and Mark, so... Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, they both died since then from overdoses, bro. Oh, man, I'm sorry Lots to hear that, bro. people have passed away, right? Mm-hmm. God, there was probably, like, one a month. Every month after I left, there was at least one person that we were in there they with. They were just and, dropping, like, flies, huh? Mm-hmm. And then Mark, he, he passed away, and that was that was hard. Andy, he passed away. That was rough, too, you know, and... And I've lost people in my life, but he was like instrumental because 
he had like nine months clean just out of the salad, you know, and I ended up staying there for a little while longer, but we'd always go to his mom's house every week. She would feed us. She was just so happy her baby boy was clean. You know what I mean? Like what a seat, though. she would feed us. She would take care. She did all kinds of stuff for us. You know what I mean? And my mom wasn't really talking to me then. So he was like stand in for a minute there, you know, and, and it was funny because his parents names are the exact same as my parents names. Really? Yeah. And so like, but he had a little, a little struggle going on. And uh, I went over to his house and I was like, I was ready to kidnap him. You know what I mean? I was like, hey, bro, I was like, you're coming with me. I was like, you're going to stay at my house. You're not leaving, bro. I said, I'm taking you. And he was like, no, nah. he's like, no, no, no. He's like, not right now. Just like, just let me sleep in my bed tonight. And then I'll go to your house next for the week after that. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pick you up in the morning. He's like, all right, cool, brother. Love you. You know what I mean? And I gave him a hug and told him I loved him. We left. Me and Mark left. And then the next day, I went over there at eight o'clock in the morning, go scoop him up. Mom went and knocked on his door. He was already gone. He left middle of the night. I chased him all day that day. Me and Mark were hunting him, bro. Wow, <laughs> all the trap out looking for him, bro. And uh, he ended up dying that night. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear that, bro. That, that's rough. It's all right, because everything's for a reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is for a reason. So. I, re- I remember a guy one, once told me at a, at a meeting, too. He's all like, some people are going to have to die so you can live. And then after seeing that, how people were close friends that I was making in recovery, passing away was like... This shit is serious, you know. It's life or death kind of matter, kind of. Well, I always hated that one where they say you have to walk over dead bodies to get yeah. where you are. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 sad, man. It it really is. I mean, we just lost working here since uh, twenty eighteen. It, it's like we just uh, uh, one of the alumni that we had from. She's been here multiple times. I just found out she passed away the day before yesterday. There's been two of them in just this week. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a rough thing to think of, man. I mean. You know, you said something that that sticks with me because of the interview that I said that we did a, a couple of days ago, man, was like, you know, the mom was just so happy to see her baby boy doing good, you know, and then you think about how ugly this addiction is, bro, and how it can just take you away. And, and it's not it's not once you're gone, bro, it ain't you that's dealing with the shit no more. It's, it's your kids. It's your your parents, you know, the people that loved you. There's a there's a huge hole in their life forever. You know, that, that there, there ain't no drug, there ain't shit that could fix that or fill that hole other than, than God and just hope that they have faith. You know what I'm saying? It's a scary thing, man. But, you know, I also think that that testimony is super dope. Like, like the fact that you experienced that moment of clarity and that moment of happiness with your brothers in a situation where you guys were all dealing with shit, you know? But at that moment in time, bro, it was just like... You know, you guys were living life. Like, there's no other way to say it. You guys were just living life at its most beautiful point. There's nothing else around. It was just us, you know? So, Man. It was cool. It was good. But, yeah, I mean, that's life, you know? Yeah. You just got to deal with it. The good and the bad, you just roll, you know? Yeah. And what happened? How did you get into the field once you graduated the Salvation Army? And how did you end up working for hope as a peer support what was that moment of clarity like i want to do this i couldn't get a job you couldn't get a job (laughs) Uh, uh, no i went i went to an employment specialist because i was like i'm not working construction but my only thing was trade work Mm. all i knew and i was like i'm not going back to construction so i hit up this employment specialist and they were trying to find me a job and like i had an organized retail theft i had you know what i mean all these different charges the the burglaries i had drug charges i had the dui so like no i couldn't drive a car i couldn't work around a cash register i couldn't you know what i mean there was all these restrictions to everything i could do that like wendy's wouldn't hire me walmart like nowhere would hire me because of what i had on my record and so she was like why don't you just be a peer support what's that yeah i was like what what do you mean and she was like we'll we'll sign you up for this class would you do they got me through you know what i mean and uh and i told my dad and i was like hey i was like uh, I got in this little duplex and it was 400 bucks a month or whatever. And I told my dad, I was like, Hey, I, I, they want me to do this. I was like, I can't find a job. And he said, do it. He said, I'll pay your rent to do that. Get on the right track. And I was like, cool. So I did that. Yeah. Went through the, the class and the class was crazy too. Cause they told me it was six months out. They're like, Oh, it's at least six months out before and, you could even start. Yeah. And I was like, well, listen, I was like, you give me the dates and the times when they start, I'm going to show up every time and see if they let me in. And so, like, I would show up every time, and this lady, Miss Beverly, she would, I would be sitting there waiting, bro, and she, I was like, you know, and she'd be like, nah, everybody showed up, sorry. So the first class, I didn't get in. 
because everybody showed up. Second class I showed up to there. She was like, hey, everybody's here. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? You can't, you're going to have to wait still. So I left. And then I like an hour later, the phone rings and she's like, hey, somebody just left. They said they're not willing to commit to it anymore. And you want a seat? It's yours. And I was like, I'm on my way. Oh, I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> I respect that so much. Yeah, I think that's man, super that's... cool, that persistence, man. Yeah. Was that a grant? No, it, it, yeah, it was at the uh, like next to the, the old Simpatico the, thing over there. Oh, the old uh, Simpatico by the, by the Tucson Mall. Yeah, oh, that's, okay, uh, my, okay. uh, my wife works in that building, the Centene building. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, and it used to be well, it was Simpatico was the Reba at the time, and they rented a floor in there. Yeah, so, yeah. So it was cool though. It was you know. Yeah, but it was cool once you hear peer support certification. You could work in the field, right, and all that. Did it give you some kind of hope? Were you excited, or were you just not like, really? Because then no? I started looking for jobs, and everything said I needed a year experience, and I was yeah. like, I'm fucked. Like, you know, what yeah. I mean? like, how do I get a year experience if I can't get a job? Yeah. And then that's when Hope called me, and they were like, Hey, uh, we don't have any peer support positions, but we have an admin position if you'd be interested. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> like, I didn't even know what it meant. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And they were like, you're just answering phones, transferring phone calls, stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I can answer my phone all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I answer yeah. this phone right now. Like, yeah. So I ended up doing that. And uh, I went and did the interview. And that was wild, too, because I have done I did a few interviews with some of the other places. But that's where I was getting shut down for the year experience. Uh-huh. And every time I brought up my criminal history, I would always bring up all my felonies. And like they'd ask me, and I'd say, I'm going to be clear with you, like, these are the felonies I have currently on probation for another two years. Like that's my situation. Then I'll be like, Oh, so you can't get a fingerprint clearance. Yeah. So shut you we down, can't bro. hire you. So when I went into the hope one and I said, all right, so listen, I said, they're my different felonies. And they're like, okay, yeah, that, no, that's great. Great. Like you ever have mental health stuff? And I was like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm twist. Like right. I'm, I'm not all. And they're like, oh, okay, so you've been to jail. And I was like, yeah, I've been. And they're like, this is great. And I was like, yeah. really? Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, go get a few more if you need me to. Like, you know? So and it was cool though because they hired me as an admin assistant, and so like I started just answering phones and stuff like that, and it was. God's work again, you know, because I wow. needed that because I still had a little bit of that. Don't talk to me. Like, you don't call me names. Like, you don't call me no bitch. Don't call me. The, like, you know what I mean? And I was getting called that all the time at the front desk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people were like, I want my medication. You're being a little bitch. Give me my meds. And I was like, what? Oh, like, man. Like, and so I had to learn, you know, and this one dude tested me all the time. Like, I remember one day he really pissed me off because he stuck his finger in my coffee. Oh, I was, that, like, oh, I was like, oh, and he was, he was, uh, he was homeless at the time. And like, he was funny though. Cause we ended up having a real good relationship afterwards. And cause he, he had a lot of psych issues and he would always want to play cards. Right. But he would bring in business cards that he stole off my desk. And he was just like, he would deal the cards out and he'd be like, to the space like you know what i mean like he was playing and i would just beat him every time because he'd always go first yeah so like every time he'd throw out a card and i'd just throw out one higher and then i'd be like mine like you know what i mean I'd yeah be, and he'd be all <laughs> mad that he lost and i remember the staff would always be like how come you don't ever let him win and i was like because he never lets me go first like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, funny you know so it taught me a lot of patience and a lot of like learning to accept people for who they are and to remember that it's not all about me Man, yeah, there's a lot of people struggling. Yeah. It ain't just me out here. Wow. And that's 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 pretty cool, man. I mean, it's, you know, God cleared out a spot for you and he had already a job and what he wanted you to do and kind of threw you into that position. And taught me the skills one at a time as I needed them. You know what I mean? Like he taught me happiness and then he taught me patience and then he taught like as I needed them because yeah. I needed the happiness to balance the patience. If I never experienced that happiness, I would have never been able to be patient. And and how was it for you, like, that moment, the one that you said with, with you know, your brothers in the rain and stuff, once that happened, was it just, like, a, a complete, like, shift, like, in your head? Like, you just started kind of seeing the grass a little bit greener, the sky a little bit bluer? Was it just No, it was, uh, it was a shift of effort, right? Because everything effort. for me was based on effort, right? How much effort do I want to put into different things? Yeah. Right? I knew I had to go to work. I knew I had to hustle. I knew I had to do this. I knew I had to do that. And so my effort level ended up changing. And I said, okay, so my effort is going to change from I need to get out of here to let's just make the best of my time. And so I started to actually apply myself. I started listening in the meetings. I started to share about how I perceived things. I started to read my books. I started to read my Bible. I started to to pay attention to what I was doing in my everyday life. You know what I mean? Like, even though I was in rehab, like my everyday life, how am I talking to people? 
Yeah. How much? Like, cause this kid, right? He was he was a kid, and he 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 would always use my lighter every day. Let me use your lighter. Let me use your lighter. Let me use your lighter. Can I get a cigarette? Can I? Use it? Yeah. You know? And like one day, I just got tired of it, and I told him, bro, I was like, you need to get some shit of your own. You know what I mean? And then one day he comes up and he's like, check it out, bro. I got this lighter. And he, and I was like, let me use it. And he was like, you know, just to be a jerk. Cause I'm a jerk like that. You know? And I was like, let me use it. And he's like, nah, and he's like, you got one. And I was like, Hey bro, let me use your lighter. You know what I mean? And I remember he's like, all right, well, cause like, kind of got nervous and he's like gives me his lighter and i threw it over the building because there was a <laughs> there was a storage building right there and i threw it bro chucked that thing like there was no way he was getting that back bro yeah and just the look of defeat on his face you know what i mean and i was like bro i was like how the fuck are you gonna not let me use your lighter after using mine every day for a month like you know <laughs> what i mean funny. and but the next day i was i was working my steps so like i evaluated myself a little bit at night and i was like Damn that that's an asshole move, bro. Like I was like, who does that? was an asshole move. I was like, who does that? And like I literally felt so bad that I went and I bought him a pack of cigarettes and a lighter and, wow. and brought him to him the next day and I said, Hey bro, I said I shouldn't act like that. I was like, that that's on me. I was like, you did nothing wrong, bro. I was like, every day I give you my lighter, I gave it to you because I wanted to. Like you didn't force me to. Yeah. So, that like, was a lot know, for you, huh? Yeah, and I felt bad. Like, you know, it was very humbling for me, too, in that yeah. moment. But, like, that's the perspective change, right? Is yeah. that I started yeah. putting effort into these tools. Yeah. And then it changed the outcomes. And then all the positive things that you're doing, too. I mean, it's uh, I, I think that's the really cool thing about, you know, my higher power is that every now and then when I need to be checked, it's just like that nice, calming voice of like, hey, bro, you shouldn't have done yeah. that. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have make this right. Fix this, you know. Your conscience, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It's like you start listening. And once once it, once it God knows that you're starting to pay attention and listen to him, he'll start speaking to you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So you've been in this field for about seven years now you know, working in this position that God kind of cleared things out and just put you into this amazing position. How have things started to change for you, bro, since then? Like how have the relationships with your family members and the people or how's everything changed for you since that? Everything has changed. But I mean, I give a lot of it to hope in a sense too, because as I learned and grew working in the field, I applied those things into my life. You know what I mean? The way I talked who I, how I address situations, how I conflict resolutions. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, like my attitude before was you know, like my brother and me always fought her all the time, you know? And so when it came down to it, like I remember even my brother, one day I was sitting on the porch and I was, I was drinking and like, I was moving some stuff and I was leaving my mom's house. I was moving back out. And he was like, yeah, you need to just leave and don't come back. You know what I mean? And I was like, bro, why don't I just whoop your ass right now and leave you out there on the street? You know what I mean? That's my older brother. And like, yeah. but he knows I'm a little like, like, so he just like got all quiet. Was like, like, you know, just drink his beer and, and went quiet. And so like, that was my conflict resolution before was always, how do I take this to the next level? You got to one up, you know? That's why you threw that dude's lighter over the. Exactly. It's yeah. a one up, you know? And so I started learning to sit in the background a little bit. And when I hear problems, just to like think about it or like, you know, not act on it right away or limiting my conversations with people like my mom's like, I mean, when we first started out 10 minutes or less, because after 10 minutes, she'd start being like, yeah, well, remember when you, you did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I couldn't do it. So I had to, I had to start limiting it because usually by 10 minutes we ran out of stuff to say and she would start. Yeah. So it changed everything in my life. Like, I guarantee you, talk to any of my family, they'll tell you I'm a completely different person besides my work ethic. Wow, that's incredible, though. Isn't it cool, though, like how now, you know, just going back to when you got your RSS certificate, how you said that you were waiting outside, right? You're like, I'm going to make sure Mm -hmm. that I get into this class regardless of what it is. Now that tenacity, that hustle that you're putting into it, now you have a outlet for it in a whole different type of way. Like, are, are, do you feel like you're able to change people's lives every day now? Like on a daily basis, you're reaching somebody. I mean, I don't think at first it was like that. Cause I, I went from admin assistant to a peer support, to a case manager, to a case manager, to, to a program manager. And now I'm regional manager, of community programs moving up. And bro. so you think like five of those I've, I've been program manager, regional manager for over three years now. So you think like four or five of those were done in the first three years, four years. Like I was just cruising through stuff, you know what I mean? And it wasn't until I became a program manager that I really understood what I was doing. Because when I left from being a case manager and started the program managing, 
it was told to me like I was like I like working with people. I want to work with everyday people. You know what I mean? And they were like, "Why?" And I said, "I don't want to do program managing because I want to help people." Yeah. And they said, "Well, look, you're helping people, and as you get staff, you start training your staff, and you educate them on how to best help people, and then in turn, they're going to help more people, and it, it's spreading. You know what I mean? Like you gotta you gotta reach more." And you can only reach more if you have more people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's right. With a that's good right. coach and a good role model, right? Yeah, right. And so I started out, I had three employees, right? Right now I have 15 and I'm about wow. to get three more. So like I've just been scooping programs and people That's up cool, man. Because I learned as I train them and they help people and they come back with their success stories. It's a reflection of what I'm doing. I'm not actually doing it. Like they're doing it. But I'm helping to show them those skills on how to do it right. Yeah. And how to be most effective in the community and how to value you know what i mean all these things and it's 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 a mind change because i hear it from my staff they say hey remember last week how you told me that like i Mm -hmm. see it now and it's like then when they see it they're more effective with their people wow and i still have members that call me today they'll be tripping out flipping out on a case manager somewhere and they'll call me and be like hey this motherfucker just don't get me, bro. And I'm like, hey, well, talk to me. I'm right here. What's up? You know what I mean? And they still rely on me like that. So it's like, I see that there's people out there, you know what I mean, that do things like that. Like even my brother who never talks like that to me, you know what I mean? Like he he even told me, he's like, hey, thank you for everything you're doing for mom. That's cool. And that's the same brother was like, you need to get out and never come back. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? like, <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful, bro. It is. Those yeah. are like, and even my aunt, she's, always and we never gotten like you know what i mean like she was the one where i was always like hey i'm gonna call the cops on you and she was like good it'll give me 10 minutes to beat the shit out of you you know what i mean yeah. like, and so she was like the hard aunt you know what i mean she hated me for a long time well didn't hate you but just didn't associate with me in any way shape or form like if i was going somewhere she wouldn't show up or like if i heard she was going i wouldn't show up you yeah. know what i mean and like we went on a family vacation last year together and she was there you know what i mean wow she was hugging me like we it was just the whole dynamic it's like a dream was completely different than what you thought oh yeah like i thought she would never do anything like that with me you know what i mean like i thought she may go for a day or stay somewhere else but she like stayed in the same beach house with us and everything it was wild that's awesome man and i had those moments too so i know the feeling like for example in my family there was a group of people i didn't hang out so i had some cousins that were like totally opposite we were in different kind of mm-hmm. scenarios you know but now that we kind of hang out together and we have these conversations and they get to meet me i get to meet them i get to meet their family and it's pretty cool to have those aunts and cousins too that they made it you know they went to college they we didn't hang out because i was doing kind of i was in a whole different thing mm-hmm. and they were doing their thing you know what i mean yeah but yeah, yeah. those kind of having those moments with family and bonding with family and uh it's, it's instead of just hanging out with those primos you know yeah drinking in the ice just and talking the same story for 10 years you know <laughs> remember how we got in a fight yeah, <laughs> yeah. In elementary yeah <laughs> all know? fucking living in the past all you? living in the past it's, yeah. it's it's true and it's a beautiful thing man i mean that's something that i never i never take for granted you know that god is using you as a vessel to be exactly. able to bring people closer to a, a better life and doing better things man so it's a beautiful yeah. thing yeah, I'm very proud of you, bro. I saw you when we were at the Salvation Army when I told um, Buddha about you, too. I had forgotten about your story, or maybe we never had these conversations about you sharing your story with me, you know? I remember one time I had no one, because you had to sign out with a buddy, you know, and I had yeah. no one to sign out with me because people would look at me weird. I was still not out there, too, I remember. <laughs> and I asked Chris, hey, you want to sign out with me? I want to go see my family, you know, spend some time with my family. and. And he did, he did sign out with me. But I think before that, um, we really didn't kind of hang out at the salary. Everyone was doing their thing. But now seeing you doing your thing, working as a peer support, like a manager and doing, I'm very proud of you, bro. And I just want to tell you here in the podcast too, you mean a lot to me, you know, in personal. Hell yeah. No, you know. and I mean, you you had me at food, bro. You were like, hey, we're going to dinner. I was like, shut up now. Let's go. And then we go to dinner. <laughs> yeah, we did. We I remember it still because we went to that JB's over there on uh, Broadway or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. JB's. BJ's. Oh, oh BJ's. 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 Okay, I'm thinking of the old, I think there was an old school family restaurant, JB's. I was like, damn, that's yeah. a long ass time ago. <laughs> no, no, it was, yeah, yeah. So it was cool though, but. Yeah, no, it was, I I didn't talk much. 
No, you, you didn't. You know what I mean? If I didn't have a purpose with you, I didn't have a purpose with you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know what's crazy about your story, dude, that I think is, is super cool. And I think it's important for people to listen to is, you know, yeah, you had your substance, you know, issues. But it was also the other, what do they call like the seven deadly sins, like the the wrath, you know, or the, uh, you know, holding, like holding on, like like the way that you said it a couple times the in gluttony, some of the stories. The greed, bro. Yeah, the, the greed, greed, the way, like know, it, it, it doesn't huh? necessarily have to be a substance. It could be your own selfish way of thinking or your own, you know, yeah. way that you've been going around that can grow into like something. You know what I'm saying? The just, character, just, huh? Yeah. It is though. It's a hundred percent because like, you know, when I came out of rehab, I was a yes man. Right. And I was, yes, yes, yes. People need to ride home. Yeah. Cool. I got you. You know yeah. what I mean? Take yeah. you home from the meeting. And then I wouldn't have no gas in my car. And then I was trying to figure out how to put gas in my, and then my sponsor was like, bro, you can't just say yes to everybody. Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just started saying no to everybody. You know what I mean? And, and he's like, bro, what's wrong with you, bro? And I was like, it's either yes or no. I was like, I'm very black and white, bro. I was like, and he's like, there's this whole gray area, bro. It's wild. And he's like, if you find it, though, you know what it's I mean? Like, yeah. and, and right. And that's where I learned something. It's another one of those sayings that lives with me, right? Everything's good in moderation, mm-hmm. right? Because everything is not good. Even God, God is good. But if you only think you need God, you still have to eat. You still have to sleep. Mm-hmm. You still have to, everything is in moderation, right? Everything. You still have to survive. Mm-hmm. And so being able to put your life in moderation and understanding, like, if I could just go fishing all day, every day, I would, but I can't get paid. You know, yeah. the bass don't pay me every time I catch them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not how it works. Like so, Peter in the boat waiting for <laughs> yeah. all these fish. Right. Yeah. And so, like, it's the same thing, though, same concept, right? Everything in moderation, which is yeah. the same throughout your life and everything like i have a lot of those different kinds of things and it's not about me it's about giving Absolutely. but it's about giving in moderation mm-hmm. i can't take you know the food out of my kid's mouth and give it to some other child because i feel like they need it more yeah and then my kid's sitting here with a hungry stomach now who's gonna feed mine right like it's, yep. a, it's a vicious cycle you take care of yours first so you can help others it's mm-hmm. the basis of all recoveries right like even naaa right you got to be selfish to be selfless it's the same aspect, but it's in moderation. Yep, and mm-hmm. and that's important, the fine line. You know, we've talked about when we go and talk to groups of people, right? You have uh, people that are here, they're trying to get better, and I always tell them, I say, you know, I know that it's very similar to how it was when you were using, because when you're using, you're so selfish, you only focus on yourself. This is a fine line. You're here, but it, it, it's selfish in a whole different way because it benefits everybody yeah. in your family, you know, and people are sleeping better at night because they know you're here and not out in the streets or in a ditch somewhere, you know what I'm saying? The same way that it affects everyone around your family, so he was using, but it affected his dad, it affected mm-hmm. his mother, mm-hmm. right? That's when he well, shared your story, it, and now they're benefiting from you being well, you know, you're that's probably happy. <laughs> yeah, and so the way that I like to say it is is that when when somebody's using their consumer, right? Cuz that's how normal people view things, right? They yeah. see things like you think of the grocery store, you think of stores, you think of there's a consumer and a provider, right? So you have somebody that's providing you something and then you have the person that's consuming it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So a user is a consumer, right? We consume everything around us regardless. Regardless. It's something that I did that I know other people share their stories, they did the same, right? Like mm-hmm. you do what you do, you take from people to get what you need. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. just how it works. You're consuming, you're selfish, you're a consumer. Right. But then your providers are the people that are around you, like your family, your friends, your people that you're taking from. Yeah. Right. Because they're the Mm. ones that are providing whether they agree to it or not. You know what I mean? Like you steal grandma's necklace, like she provided you with that necklace, not intentionally, but it happened. And so by being that consumer provider, you can't be one or the other. And that's what I tell a lot of parents too is if you're just being the provider, they're going to remain the consumer. Yeah, you have to get something back from them. You know what I mean? Like your kid says, "Hey, I need twenty bucks," but you know they're gonna use that twenty bucks to go get high. Tell him, "Hey, you got to clean the yard real quick," or at least get something back from you so that he's providing you with a service to get what he needs. Like, yes, the enablings and the you know that's all determined by an individual, right? We're not here to. I'm not here to tell parents like, "Oh, you can't help your son," or "Oh, you need to abandon him," or "Oh, don't let him back in your house." That's not my role. Right. My role is to help the parent do what they want to do. And if their thing is, I want a relationship, but I don't want to give them money. I'm like, well, maybe, you know, just have clean yeah. your yard, do your dishes for 20 bucks instead. Right. And it's, it brings something different out. Right. Yeah. A lot of recoveries and a lot of different things are teaching people how to give back to the communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I learned that because my sponsor at the time, I was like, Hey, I was like, I don't really like business people. Like, I don't want to give back to my community. Like, I'm not like that. And he's like, look, he's like, let's start out 
And when you walk to the store, because I like to, I used to like to walk to the store and smoke cigarettes and just chill. Yeah. And he's like, take a bag with you, pick up trash, and throw it in the trash can at the Circle K. And then when you get your stuff, ask him for a bag, and then you can use that bag tomorrow. I was like, all right, cool. So I started cleaning it up, and all of a sudden I started noticing that my shot out, because I was on uh, on Glen and Stone. Ooh. And so it was rough, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Like, and it was real <laughs> dirty right there behind that, where that, the... Circle K was right after Miracle Mile. Mm-hmm. And then that road that went down, that's the road I would walk on. So I started cleaning it. I grew up right around there, too. And I know. noticed, like, after, like, a month, I was like, damn, this street's getting yeah. clean <laughs> yeah, right now. I was like, is this cool. me right now? Like, And so I started learning mm-hmm. that giving back without getting something in return is okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's, like, the relationship with my family, too. Is like, when they, like, my mom sends me money. Sometimes it pisses me off. But, like, because, <laughs> like, she'll ask me, like, hey, can you go fix your grandma's roof? Can you go do this? And I'll go do it. I don't question. I don't say, "Yeah, can you send me some money?" Hey, I need to. I need you to buy the stuff for it. No, I just, I do it because yeah. I need to give back to my family because I took from them, made them worry, made them stress. So yeah. that's my way of giving back. And so I'll do those like things. Account with Chris now, well, well, it's technology now because mm-hmm. before, you know, my mom would try to be like, "Here, here, you know, here's twenty dollars," and I'd be like, "Nah, not nah, no, yeah. get out of here." You know what I mean? And then, uh, but now there's all this technology, so like all of a sudden it'll just be like. Mom zelled you twenty. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. damn it, bro. Like, I, you can't reject it. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna uh-huh. keep sending it back and forth. She'll just keep sending it, you know. Yeah. Like, mm. And so it's uh it's just you know, different life, you know. But yeah, that consumer provider is huge. Like, well, I have a, I have a question for you. You know, just to kind of pick your brain because this has been some of the the things that I've been dealing with. And you know, for me, I want to make sure that when people come to me with certain problems, that I can give them the right advice. Let's say you're dealing with a parent who has a son or a daughter, and it's almost a point of them being an enabling the son or the daughter, right? Like, we love our kids unconditionally, but but there comes a certain point where I think we would rather them be home and be safe, even though they're stealing from us, even though they're, they're taking from us, you know? If a parent is on their last point of, like, you know, the last straw, pretty much, and this person... Is coming in and out of their life, still and taking. They're afraid of the, you know, their child going out to the streets or whatever. What kind of advice could you give a parent at that point? I don't ever give advice, bro. No, never. Advice is not for me. I don't tell people what to do. I don't tell them how to do it. I don't. It, it, that's not how I work. I've never worked that way because I, I'm a, I'm afraid of accountability, right? Yeah. And so I don't want to be the guy that says, "Yeah, kick them out," and then their son overdoses and they're like, yeah. "It's your fault." You yeah. told me, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like what I do is I utilize motivational interviewing for a lot of things in my life. So like I'll just talk to the parent and be like, well, what are you okay with? So you're telling me that you want them? Like, and then ask them those questions, right? So how safe are you? Like, do you feel like you're safe with it? Like, and asking them all those different kinds of questions. And usually they already know. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Okay. And then I say, so what, and then like reflections are huge, right? Like, I don't know if you're familiar with ORs, right? Yeah. Open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries. I use those to my benefit all the time. I summarize stuff and I'll summarize it wrong just to just to make sure they clarify it. Yeah. And I'll be like, so you're telling me that you don't want your son out. Well, I never said that. Okay. Right? So you're telling me you'd be better off if your son was gone. Like the way you phrase things, right? And so I talk to the parents and I ask them what they want. I talk to everybody like that, really. But the parents, yes. I ask them, so what is it? You know what I mean? Like the one that I told you I was helping, she's like, I want my daughter here with me. And I was like, is that something that is realistic for you yeah no and then like you know as we talked she was like yeah you're right i just i need to just encourage her i can still help her maybe pay for her sober living instead of giving her the money tell her hey if you go here i'll pay for it you know what i mean and so it brought up that whole different aspect i like that though that's good because you're kind of allowing them to come up with their own answer to their your question they didn't even know they had type of a thing so they know they have it they you just know? they're looking for somebody to validate it. and usually yeah. almost all the time right you think about when you go to people with advice and you're like i just don't know what to do usually you know what you have to do uh-huh. you're just hoping that guy's gonna be like yeah bro just leave her yeah. <laughs> you know right? yeah the easy route out type right of shit. So yeah. you're just hoping that somebody collaborates that and like I even share about my support network. So like I go to certain people for certain things because I know I can't bullshit them around it. Like my old sponsor, like if I went to, I would never go to him about girl problems. Right. 
Because he he obviously had some trauma around that. He'd be like, he'd be like, just leave her. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need nobody. <laughs> exactly. And like that's how he was. So I would never go to him for that advice. I would go to his sponsor because his sponsor always had like these deep insights. You know what I mean? Okay. He was always like, sounds like you're going through some internal stuff. Like, have you looked at yourself lately? What is your step eleven telling you? And I'd be like, damn. If he's right. Yeah, it's like, true. You know I mean? And so like I go to those things just like I don't go to my dad when I'm feeling triggered or I have bad anxiety or nothing like that because then my pop stresses on me. Yeah. And so I don't go to him for those things. I go to people in my recovery network. Like like I would call Manny or, or Martina. Be like, bro, I'm I'm going tilt right now. You know, yeah. like, I can't like and they understand because they know that doesn't mean I'm going to go get high. But if I'm telling my mom or dad that they're like rob somebody yeah <laughs> yeah the, the, yeah that's good man that's good advice i mean you, you're not giving advice but that's good advice yeah. to hear you know what i'm saying well not just, give advice yeah to not give advice. <laughs> <laughs> but for real it makes perfect sense yeah. like last time i called you when we were kind of scheduling this podcast i remember i started kind of venting with you about my the issues that i'm going with my kids right now with my mm-hmm. teenagers and then you were an ear right there, and then you started venting about your kind of things. And I remember after I hanged up with that conversation, it felt good because I was like, "Actually, I'm doing, you know, I'm 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 doing this stuff. Like, it, I'm grateful that I'm living this experience right now and sober, and that I'm there. You know, this is gonna help me in some way or another, and that there's other people are go- kind of going through similar things where I could, I know I could reach out to you again and kind of, mm. mm, you know, just van or 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 that's what peer support well mm-hmm. that's the beauty about peer support right people with lived experience going to similar things and this is not how you have to do it this is how i've done it or just mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just being there for each other and that's pretty cool it's just letting people know you're not alone you they're know I, alone. I didn't tell you what to do i didn't tell you how to handle the situation i just mm-hmm. it's it's a thing bro like yeah that's it life. Mm-hmm. and and yeah and that's just what it is to do like is listen Listen to people, you know what I mean? Most of them have their own answers. You yeah. Just, you just have to listen and you just have to be understanding, non-judgmental and and care and like I say those little metaphors, that's why I love those little sayings, those little metaphors and those those parables in my life because mm-hmm. I share those a lot with other people and it's not like I'm telling, "Oh, you can't have expectations of people." Right? I don't say that. I say, yeah. "You know what happens with me is is I have a saying it's called expectations lead to frustration." I like Every that. time I, I, I have an expectation of somebody, they're going to fail it eventually. Eventually. It's unrealistic to have expectations of anybody. Even if they've been in your life for 20 years, people yeah. change. Things Even for happen. yourself sometimes, man. I mean, if you hold yourself to high expectations and you fail, I mean, at least for me, I know I feel like shit if I don't reach yeah. them. Well, and my thing is I don't hold any expectations on myself. I don't expect myself to stay clean. I don't expect myself to be a good father. I don't expect myself to do anything. I drive myself by goals. So I set my goals and I drive myself to those goals. And as long as I'm being pure to myself in those and like actually attaining my goals, yeah, then I'm a good person on the back end, which makes me a good supervisor, a good father. Yeah, I'm financially cool. stable because I'm saving money for a trip. So if I'm doing that, I'm financially stable. Yeah. Because I'm saving that money for the trip. Right. And then like if I'm mm-hmm. like my gun rights and my voting rights that I just got restored. That was like a, a, I got declined three times. Congrats that was, on that, man. That's cool. Yeah, shit. Yeah. But that was my fourth one. You know what I mean? And that was a goal of mine. So when I got it, I was like, OK, goal completed. Yeah. I need a new goal. Right. Because I was fighting that uh, one for years. So now I have new goals. Like my newest goal, it's easily attainable, though. I don't set goals that usually last years. I, well, I usually have one. I usually have one goal that's year's goals, like five-year goal. And then I have one goal that's like a year goal. And then I have another goal that's like within the next year. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like before this next year's over, I'm going hunting. Are you writing it down or are these just things that that's just how your brain works? That's just, just how my brain year? works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like I know what I'm doing. So like my, my I keep, that's my driving factor, right? That's yeah. my thing. So like I'm going hunting in this next year regardless. I don't care what it is. I'm going hunting this next year. That's cool. And then in my, my one year to one year over goal is the vacation. I'm saving up so that we can go on like a trip or go do something cool, but it's, you know, it takes me a little while to save that money. So it's a year to a year over, you know, maybe two years. I'll, I'll get that next trip. Cause the last time we went and had a beach house in San Diego, that's my favorite. Amazing, that's bro. My fa- every year, I'm, dude, my family does that. I love so it. I'm saving up for the next one. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Where and you guys stay fi- out there? Uh, I, I've, that was the first time ever I've gone. I've never left Arizona really. Cause I was always on supervision or 
Oh, okay. Oh, oh man. So you really were able oh. to enjoy that ocean and the, the, oh, that's yeah, the best. Yeah, because I was always afraid of the highways because DPS can extradite you anywhere. Yeah. And so I would never go on highway trips. If people were going on a trip that re- re- required a, a freeway, not me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not me, bro. I got warrants. I'm not going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's how it was. So, like, I never did it. So, that was like my first real thing. Damn. I'm so, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, bro. I just wanted to make. I wanted. No, to ask no, you. yeah, that's that's cool though. But and then like my my five year right is trying to get my schooling. So like I started going back to to school. Wow. And so that's like wow. my five year is trying to get some schooling in me. Now that you're mentioning goals, I remember they used to talk to us that in elementary school and then in school, you know, they used to talk about goals and what are your goals? What do you want to be when? And I never had that vision. I could never think about me living in goals or kind of thinking on how to. And now I try the same as you. I try to live with those kind of goals. And it, I guess, I don't know if it's in recovery that they taught us this, but we really, well, I, I try to depend on my goals, you know, and really try to kind of work towards them. If not, it's kind of. Well, my thing was, is how do I have an expectation of myself without having expectations? Because you can't have expectations. You can put boundaries. Expectations are, like the way I always break it down is an expectation is, is I give you a cigarette you owe me a cigarette? No. Yeah. I gave you a cigarette. Now, if I hand you a cigarette and I say, hey, I'm going to give you this cigarette, but I need a cigarette back by Friday, that's a boundary. Yeah. That is an okay expectation to have because you said yes. Now it's a deal that we got going on. It's not an expectation. Yeah. It was laid out in the open of saying, yes, you're going to do this, right? And expectation is just those things that we underlining put on situations or people. Just like when I applied for my gun rights, if I applied for my gun rights and said, oh, yeah, no, I got this. When I got it back and it says decline, I probably would have been like rushed and like, how, why, why me, bro? I did so much work. Look at everything I'm doing. You know what I mean? And instead, I just said, let's see what happens. And it came back decline. And I was like, okay, these sons of bitches, like, I'm going to do it again. And I did it again. And then they declined it again. I was like, I'm doing it again. And I did it. And I just kept doing it. And it was a blessing because like, if I probably would have got my rights back previously, if they would have approved it the first time, it was prior to seven years. So they probably wouldn't have set it aside. But since this time they approved it and it was after seven years and I paid all my fines and fees, they did the set aside. And wow. now those charges are set aside. So right now. So it worked out. Yeah. So I went from having four felony charges to the three of them were dropped to misdemeanors. And then the one is set aside. So employers can't even really see it. So, man, that's cool, though. Getting everything yeah, back, is, bro. All on his time, though, You're right? Doing yeah, it. All yeah, on his time, you, bro. Yeah, it's a whole different life, man. I mean, and, and I think that's that's one of, one of the driving factors, you know, that we try and, and uh, put out with this podcast is you never know who's listening. And I feel like since COVID, so many people use that as an excuse to kind of be more of a hermit and more in their, you know, their house and not going to meetings. I hope people are, are continuing to do that. But I think a lot of it is like, you know, you have a goal or let's say you're in the middle of your active addiction and you see all of this positive stuff. They hear Chris's story and they're like, man, my shit could never get to that point. I could never, you know, if you look at the whole picture, it it looks overwhelming, right? I mean, it's literally just one step at a time. Yeah. You know, that's another one of my my little phrases there, right? It's hard to see the picture when you're the frame. Mm. And so I always, damn, I love that. That's cool. Yeah. I always get my insight from other people around me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I talk to people and I say, yeah, I feel like I'm doing all right. You know, like I tell them how I feel or whatever, but they usually are the ones that tell me what I need to do. You know what I mean? Like, like, Hey, so why haven't you been going over? Or why, why haven't you been going to mom or, you know, whatever the situation is, they bring those things to my attention Yeah. because I, I can't see myself like that. I am biased. Yeah, I I learned that right away. And my sponsor taught me a great trick, bro. And you'll like this one, Martin. So my sponsor, right, I had respect for him, like I said. So I called him up and I was like, hey, bro, I was already clean. I was almost I almost had my job at Hope. I I was right before my interview at Hope. And I was like, hey, bro, I'm gonna go get high. I was like, I'm just calling you to let you know what's up. I was like. The straight life ain't for me, bro. I was like, I can't get a job. Ain't nobody. Everybody uh-huh. still looks at me like I'm using. Like, I was like, I'm I'm over it, bro. I'm going to go get high. And he's like, all right. He's like, where are you getting money at? And I was like, I don't know. I'll find some shit. You know? I'll find something. And he's like, no. He's like, look it. He's like, you give me one good reason why you should get high. I'll go take you some money and I'll pick you up. We'll go buy your first bag. I said, all right, cool. I said, I got you. You know what I mean? I started writing stuff down left and right, bro. Do all my little paper, right? I lost my kids. And I was like, 
but that's not going to get him back. He's not going to buy that. So I scratched <laughs> it out. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, I was writing all this stuff down of why these reasons why I felt like I deserved to get high. Everything yeah. I lost, everything that affected me negatively. I can't get it. I can't do this. I can't. It was a lot of I can'ts, right? Yeah. And I started realizing, though, that those are only good for me on paper. They don't, the people who care, like the people around me, they know that that's bullshit and that like I learned right then and there, I could catch somebody bullshitting me, but I obviously can't see myself. Bullshitting them. <laughs> no. Nah, so like, yeah. So I realized I was like, I called him up like the next day and I was like, Hey bro, I was like, I couldn't find a reason I got. Like, and, I had to sit in the corner and, and reflect for a little bit of shit. That's great. And so I started using that though. So when I have my hard moments, I start trying to think about what it is and there, I can't. And anytime you have an I can't, make a goal. Mm. Right? I like can't that. go on vacation. I can't have my kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead of that, how do I get my kids? Instead of that, how do I? Right? And turn them into house. Okay. And, and it, it works for me. Like, that's how I make my goals, right? I can't go hunting, is what I used to tell my mom. I can't go hunting. She's like, well, what do you got to do? gotta go apply again you know that's what I mean? what's up and i just kept applying and i know i know you gotta go so in the you can even just you know as we talk just be like hey guys i gotta uh, get going that's what i was gonna say you guys continue doing it was great chris participating in this podcast with you brother thank you very much for your time brother and i'm gonna go attend your people over there you know what i mean they're good hey ladies brother. and gentlemen give it up to martin yeah. real quick <laughs> <laughs> i know I, we fucked up your uh the audience applause when you first came on, Doug. No more donkey sounds. Huh? I, mean, I, I think it was perfect. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was Heck yeah. Hey, brother, it's good to see you, man. So, no, I, I think that's super cool, bro, talking about, you know, just the whole shift. And I love, I really love, man, that you said that. The, you know, you can't focus on the picture when you're the frame. I've never heard that shit, but it's so true. That's so true. Those little analogies, those little things, it's like... That shit puts me in check and allows me to kind of look back and be like, damn, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for me, hearing you talk about anxiety, because that's one thing that I struggled with, especially because like um, when I was taking meds, when the doctors had me on pharmaceuticals and shit, they had me on benzos, bro. And if you know anything about the benzos, dog. Yeah, I was on them Zannies and, and Ativans. Yeah, man. And, and you know how it is. It gets rid of the anxiety for a second, right? And then when you miss a dose, it's like <laughs> a fucking tidal wave. Of, like you become suicidal, dog. It's horrible. And I always go back. For me, it's biblical scriptures, bro. It's be anxious for nothing, but through all things with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present all of your cares to the Lord and he whose knowledge surpasses everything in the world will protect your spirit and your mind, bro. And I always remember that. So I, I got two things for you. So one of them was when I was at that homeless shelter, right? Yeah. I went in and I wanted to get high one more time just because it was my mindset, right? So with that Yoli lady, she was cool because I went in there and I told her, I said, hey, look, I know I'm not allowed to leave. I said, but can I get an hour and I'll be right back? And she was like, you got one hour. And she's like, if you're here a minute late, I'm not letting you in. And I was like, cool. And I went and I was like, you know, was going to go on a little mission down the street because I knew that the trap was right there. And so, like, I was going and I was sitting at the bus stop with this homeless lady and she was talking to me and like, you know, and I was just like, cool, you know, and she was like, she's like, what's the matter with you? And I was like, no, I just got anxiety. You know, I'm just freaking out right now. I just can't do this shit. And she was like, listen, she's like, if you have one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, you're shitting on today. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And she's like, you need to go handle your business. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And I didn't even go get high. I turned around and went back inside the Sally. And so, say it again. If you have one foot, say it again. So if you have one foot in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow, you're shitting on today. And it didn't, ref- it didn't come into my mind of what it meant until later. Yeah. Right? Because where does anxiety exist? In the future. Where does depression exist? In the past. In the past. So you can't have those two. You're in the present. That's true. And if you're living in one, you're shitting on today. Can't be present and have anxiety. You can't be present and have depression. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. And so, right. And then when you think of anxiety, anxiety is just a lack of faith. Mm -hmm. Because if you have faith entirely, you cannot have anxiety. Because if you have faith, you know everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Anxiety is a fear of something happening bad. See, and Absolutely. I have panic attacks. So I'll just be chill watching TV, and all of a sudden my heart will start racing like I'm running. And all of a sudden I start getting all like weird and like, like dizzy because my blood's pumping so hard. 
and the oxygen can't get absorbed by my lungs. It's a panic attack. And then I start feeling like I'm dying. Damn. And like, I literally, sometimes I'll pass out. Like, and, but I don't let it affect me like that. Like, I know that I just have to be cool. So when I'm really having anxiety or I feel that first weird feeling in my chest, I usually take a deep breath and I just remind myself, like, it's all in his time. Mm, I I'm love cool. that. I'm all in his time. I just, you're cool. Man, I, I wish so bad that we, we had video in here, man, because I like it. I could see that whole little thing that you just said and putting that on a clip. We're, we're going to be working towards that, bro. But I really I think people need to hear that because a lot of people are struggling out there with anxiety, dog. It's scary. It is. But you know what? Just have faith. You know what I mean? Like have That's faith it. in something like I, I'm not big on like, oh, you have to do this or that. Like if you believe in anything, just have faith in that. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, and and don't you mean for anyone listening, don't get it twisted when he says you're anxious, you know, you're lacking faith. It doesn't mean that your faith up to that point didn't matter or that all the prayers and all of that didn't matter. What he means is just like you have to constantly check yourself to do the right thing every day. You have to constantly check yourself to put yourself into that right mentality of, of focusing on something greater than yourself. Right. And, and a lot of people, so like sometimes when I go to people and they, they absolutely hate the word faith, like you say God and they're like, you know, they freak out a little bit. Like I, I use the word hope, right? Yeah. Hope is faith. Mm. So if you have anxiety, you just have to have hope for the future. Man. If you just have hope for the future and think, okay, you know what I mean? And most people, when you really think about it and you say, I'm hopeful for the future. Like, I believe that I can be better. Or you believe, right? And yeah. anything. That's why I say you have to have a belief. But if you put that belief in effect, your anxiety will go down. That's beautiful, bro. And speaking of hope, you know what I'm saying? That's where you've been for the past seven years, man, doing your thing. You know, what are some of the things that, that you guys are doing now in the community to help people? Like, what are some of your daily things, brother? That's why I love hope. So, like, Hope has been amazing to me, and I've stuck around for all this time. I've had other job offers. I've had people say, hey, you know, and and I always passed it up, and it's because they invested in me, so I invest back in Hope. Mm. And they have so many community programs. We've been growing like crazy. We have our state opioid responses. We have data. I mean, we have lists of them. We're in the jails. We're in, we're everywhere. Hope is everywhere. And really the basis of it is, is peer support. Like when you want to have somebody go through it with you, somebody to call when you're having those hard times, somebody to believe in you. You know what I mean? Like we don't give up on nobody, nobody. We have the warm line. It's a line that anybody can call and just say, hey, I just need to talk to somebody. You could do it anonymously and just vent your feelings out for 15, 20 minutes and then go about your business. Nobody ever has to know. Wow. Right. And so we have all these resources available. But the biggest thing is for hope is that they're peers. You know what I mean? So all these people that are providing you with these services, when you're in the jail and a hope guy comes up and says, hey, man, how you doing? Are you looking for any? You need anything? That dude's been in jail. I guarantee like that's how our systems work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is we identify peers for the jobs based on their life experience. That's awesome. Like me, I'm all jacked up. Like I said, you know what I mean? I had substance use, my mental health, my anxiety, my stress, like anxiety has been with me since I was forever. I just never knew what to call it. Those panic attacks forever. I've had them. It's nuts. And then, you know what I mean? Incarceration. I've been in jail. I've, you know what I mean? I've had life experiences so i like to i like to put myself wherever i fit in that's awesome man well you know dude i i really appreciate you coming through and sharing your story with us man it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in here dog for real i appreciate you letting me take some extra time (laughs) (laughs) hey it's all love it's all love and and the last thing man you know before we go is you know for anyone out there bro that that may be feeling like shit ain't never gonna get better for me man is there anything you can say anything any type of hope you can speak on I say this every single time, bro. Everybody that ever asked me that same question, I say the same thing. And it's make yourself vulnerable and ask for help. Mm. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to not know everything. It's okay to not feel like everything's going to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, just make yourself vulnerable for a minute. Become willing for just that one second. One second is all it takes for you to say, maybe I can do this. Because that's what changed my life is it took one second, one change where I said, maybe I can do this. And I started to apply myself Mm. and make yourself vulnerable. Ask anybody. I guarantee you you ask, you know, you ask Buddha, you ask Martin, you ask 
any of the people in your community that are in the behavioral health system in the world, anybody that truly cares about you and you say, hey, I need some help. Where can I go? They're going to help you if they truly care. Oh, that's what's up, man. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up to our brother Chris one more time from Hope. You know, it's uh, it was a blessing to have you in here, man. Thank you for all of the listeners, wherever you may be. Please, you know, if you have a family member, a friend, somebody out there who's struggling with addiction, maybe they want to learn more about it. You know, we strive to be a beacon of hope for you and someone that you can listen to. And if you guys have any questions, you know, we'll, we'll put, uh, you know, you guys can hit me up directly if you have a story. I would love to get you in here. But until next time, man, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. God bless. Peace. What's going on, everybody? This is Buddha from the Rcast, and I just wanted to thank you for checking out this week's episode. It means a lot, and if you could share it with a friend or a loved one, somebody you need in recovery, or maybe somebody who just needs that little bit of extra positivity in their life, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you would like to join us here on the Rcast, either in the studio live or online, hit us up. The links are down in the show notes of this episode, and on there, you can find direct links to our main website here at America's Rehab Campus and all of our social media platforms. Follow us. We keep the posts positive and motivational focused on recovery, health, and wellness. As you know, in this modern day and age, we need as much love as possible, y'all. And as always, if you or somebody you know is in need of substance abuse treatment, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We're open 24 hours a day, and our direct phone number is 1-833-272-7342. Once again, that phone number is 1-833-272-7342. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Much love and God bless. Peace.